0: All right. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Sean Claremont, and you are tuning into today's discussion with Danelle Cole, who is not only a real estate investor, she's also an investor-focused mortgage broker located here in Central Alberta. Danelle has actually built her business on finding creative solutions for her clients, both in the consumer as well as the investment spaces, and we are very lucky to have her here today and imparting on some of her knowledge to us. Danelle, thanks for taking the time out of your day and spending some time with us.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you for allowing me the chance to share. I've definitely had a lot of inquiries as of late about all the changes that are coming down the pipeline. Um, changes are nothing new, though. It seems like every year we're having to restructure things and figure out new strategies and new ways to get business done. So,
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it seems like particularly just with all the various things that have been thrown to us here uh this year, uh it is an ever changing landscape, uh with no um, with no, I guess really end end in sight of potential changes that could impact us. So very very interested to get your expertise in some of these things. <laughs> so on our discussions leading up to the show, both Danella and I thought that it would be valuable to actually split this into two parts. So in our first part, Danelle is actually going to be informing us on some specific things that she has seen as a mortgage broker and how this may impact us as real estate investors. And in the second part, Danelle is going to be discussing a couple different real estate investment strategies that we can utilize in our businesses. Also, if anybody has any questions for Danelle, please post them in the chat and we'll get to them as soon as we can. We've already got a couple, uh, well, a couple comments anyways. So Kevin Vaggy, thank you for joining in on the stream as well as razna always a pleasure and razna says hi to danelle from ottawa (laughs) we're we're, we're nationwide here today so perfect so danelle i'm gonna pass it to you um and why don't we start our discussion specifically on the recent cmhc changes because i think that's one thing that probably a handful of people have some questions and also some concerns on as well
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I had a lot of calls right away saying, you know, what do I need to do to qualify now before these changes come down the pipeline? The good news is it's only CMHC that's making these changes, these big changes. Um, Genworth Canada Guarantee has basically issued a statement letting us know that they don't plan to follow suit, at least not immediately. So that was great news. Um, Most of the changes affect more purchasers, high ratio purchasers. Um, One change that I've noticed come into effect that does affect our real estate investors is a pullback from borrowed sources for down payment so um, that's one question that I've seen a lot of discussion around from investors is you know what do I do if I've, I've got this money here this available room sitting on my line of credit and that's what I wanted to use for my next down payment what do I do Um, So we'll touch on that. Uh, The two major changes, I'll just backtrack a little bit. The two major changes that CMHC has announced was um, increased credit score. So they're wanting credit, at least one of the applicants to be at 680 now. So previously it was credit in the 600 was game. And uh, now they're looking at 680. They've also pulled back on the debt ratios a little bit. So now um, GDS and TDS, or have come down quite a bit so um the amount of purchase price that someone can qualify for is going to be drastically reduced with cmhc so again we still have two other insurers so it's not the end of the world but um just kind of a a sign of where things are going in the industry (laughs) there's obviously a lot of um concern with everything that's that's going on right now in the economy and and whatnot and And especially when it comes to real estate investors and all the rental properties, right? Obviously, a lot of landlords have been hit with uh, tenants not paying rent for for a while here, right? And um, a lot of landlords requesting deferrals on their mortgages, that kind of thing. So... Of course, the backlash to that is going to be lenders needing to be a little more cautious going forward. And uh, I have definitely noticed that yeah. in submissions. Yeah. So
0: so particularly as it relates the, to the deferrals. So I think this is one of those things where, um, I mean, I guess... A lot of people in the beginning, you know, may have kind of accepted this as a little bit of a mortgage holiday. Um, I know that even in a lot of instances, I, I was even getting some messages from tenants saying, "Hey, well, being as you don't have to pay your mortgage anymore, um, can I not pay my rent anymore?" And just kind of, and just kind of those types of questions. So, so as you as now this has kind of been in place for a couple of months, and now you've of course had some clients coming to you with either current deferrals or maybe took a deferral, you know, for a month or two months kind of in this past little bit what are you finding that's really been the general response from lenders in regards to anybody who's had a deferral previously
1: yeah so def at the beginning it was assured to us that these deferrals would not affect credit it was not going to be bringing down credit score and so i know a lot of investors chose to take that deferral just as a precautionary measure right so concern if, if their tenants didn't pay rent, they just needed to save a little bit of uh, backup. And uh, what I've noticed here in the last few weeks is some people actually applying for a mortgage that had requested a deferral. And it is actually showing up on the credit bureau as a deferral. And lenders are declining applicants because of the deferral.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Technically, they're, they're coming back to me and saying if they can't afford their current mortgage, then why would we give them another one? Yeah. So, yeah, kind of disappointing because it, it's not necessarily that these investors or these owners couldn't afford it; they were just being cautious. Oh. Right.
0: And very much, and very much to what you'd said, kind of, kind of counter to a lot of the original communication that had came out about mortgage deferrals as well, right? So, right. yeah, wow, yeah, mm. well,
1: back a few purchases and allow the credit bureau time to correct right get those payments back on track and allow the credit time to correct and, and that can be a few months so.
0: yeah well that's good are you finding are you finding that most um like let's say in a lot of situations where it's so you had, you had a client um either on, i guess either on the consumer kind of or the investment side of things um who took a deferral maybe just more out of more out of caution but there wasn't necessarily any um let's say kind of any specific like lasting effects, like they didn't miss payments um, anywhere else or anything like that. Are you, are you still finding that in a lot of situations that lenders will say, okay, you know, we're happy that you just remove them, right? And maybe true up the mortgages if that's the case type thing. And then we can then we kind of carry on from that point.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I have. I have had lenders say, you know, maybe we'll relook at this again in a few months when things are back on track.
0: Right. Okay, so. that's perfect. Uh, you okay. had mentioned line of credit, which is an interesting one because I know actually the first... Um, uh, when, I had gotten start, when I had gotten started in real estate investing and kind of purchasing properties, uh, my primary strategy was actually just to purchase a property, get it on a home equity line of credit, Uh, start paying down, then of course, basically start paying down the mortgage and kind of building that credit room on the home equity line of credit. Um, And then a lot of times my next property I would purchase with, say, half of the line of credit of the first property, half of my own funds, right? Now I've got two line of credits that are being built up, right? And kind of so on and so forth. Um, Now, one of the things that's interesting, and I know this is something you and I were talking about earlier, is that you said in a lot of instances, lenders are not really huge on borrowed down payments, even if they come from your own sources
1: right right more so in this market so yeah it's very very common for a lot of the investors i work with to strategize that instead of their money sitting in the bank waiting for that next property why not put it on your line of credit and not pay interest right so it makes sense but then you need to access that money again later so it's really disappointing that that opportunity has basically been stripped from investors I'm not going to say all There's a few lenders that will allow it. Um, it's harder to qualify when you're using a line of credit for down payment because of the way the bank calculates the payment in the debt ratios on a line of credit. So although you're paying interest only on your line of credit, when I'm calculating your debt ratios, your TDS and GDS, I actually have to calculate the outstanding balance over 25 years. So I have to calculate a payment as if it was a mortgage over 25 years at the Bank of Canada rate. So that can actually be a much, much larger payment than that interest only payment. And it quite often can make those debt ratios quite tight.
0: Yeah,
1: And that's the last thing we want to happen when we're looking to purchase investment property, that kind of thing. Um, the lenders want to see that there's lots of room in those debt ratios and that there's lots of liquid cash flows sitting somewhere, right? Liquid, liquid assets.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Interestingly, what seems to be the trend here, particularly with, say, n- number of mortgages and that type of thing, right? So I remember, I mean, I still remember a point in time where, you know, I had received a letter that had basically said, congratulations, based on your financial position, uh, we can offer you an unlimited number of mortgages. <laughs> you seen, Are you seeing a whole lot of that anymore? <laughs>
1: Absolutely not. Yeah. This is what I was talking to at the beginning about how, you know, changes have been coming down the pipeline for a few years. Um, it's actually been a few years since we've been able to look at portfolios with, you know, 12, 15 properties, um, you know, five years ago, no problem. Today, we're maxed at, say, four rental properties. Wow. Some, yeah, yeah, four, maybe, maybe five with some lenders on the traditional side. Um there is subprime lending where there's a lot more flexibility and we can go that route. Um, but slightly higher interest rate, at the end of the day, sometimes it makes more sense for investors just to go that route, right? And structure things the way they want, use their lines of credit. If they're self-employed, write off as much, in, as, much as they can, keep their income as low as they can. Subprime, they've got solutions for that, right? So there's lots of reasons why we would just go to subprime instead and, and avoid all that headache. But on the A side... It's very much you must fit in this box and that box is getting smaller and smaller and smaller.
0: This time (laughs) goes on. yeah. I remember it was a really interesting calculation and you had actually thrown it up on the whiteboard once for me where you had shown that in a lot of situations, you know, paying one or two points more on your mortgage, but being able to access it from a B lender. Right. And to still be able to pay yourself, say, as a contractor or a self-employed type situation, right, Um, where you can actually keep your incomes fairly low. It was interesting, particularly when you kind of broke it down and showed that, well, you can actually save quite a bit on, on your income tax side of things, even if you are paying a little bit more on your mortgage.
1: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a calculation. I love showing clients because they quite often self-employed people think that um, I need to get my income as high as possible. I need to not write anything off. Let's get this income higher so that we can qualify for this next purchase. Um, Then when I show them how much extra income tax they're going to pay, we calculate that out in relation to, okay, instead, let's go to this mortgage. Let's pay a little bit of higher interest rate. And I calculate that interest over the next five years in relation to, the tax, and there's always a savings on the, well, I shouldn't say always, I guess it depends on the (laughs) the, the income that needs to be claimed, but almost every calculation that I have done, it makes way more sense to go with a slightly higher mortgage rate and not pay the higher tax.
0: Wow and that 's yeah. fantastic because I mean that opens up just a realm of possibilities for people, particularly when they 're actually looking to get out of those employment type scenarios where I think a lot of people will will feel trapped in them right because sure I mean you, you, you show a high, you show a high employment income um, in general, it is very easy to get qualified or or i shouldn 't say very easy maybe maybe quite a bit easier to get qualified for again those a lender low rate mortgages. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're definitely paying it on the tax side of things too, right? You have, you have a very, very limited means of actually getting your income lower and saving ultimately on taxes. So, yeah,
1: that's right.
0: Yeah. Um, something, another interesting trend that we kind of, that we've kind of been seeing here as of late was the usage of rental income for qualification, um, and particularly say, some of the stances that both lenders and I guess ultimately sometimes where the buck stops is really the insurer side of things um, and whether or not they are they're putting that in place and I remember it we you and I had an interesting conversation a couple months ago where, where we had basically said well some of the insurers are coming back and saying you know they don't actually know for these individuals who hold rental portfolios if their tenants are actually going to keep paying their their rents or not so they have and a lot of Instances chosen just to exclude rental income as part of their basis of qualification. So, which seems which seems like a, a crazy, crazy, crazy stance for for an insurer to take. But nevertheless, I guess they make the rules, at least in that space. <laughs> right? Definitely. Yeah.
1: Yeah, So really that's only going to come into place if an investor with a large portfolio is now purchasing another primary residence or refinancing a primary residence. No, not even refinancing because that can't be insured. So it's really just a standard purchase. That's when you're going to run into that because it's those purchases that are insured. Um, So yeah, they're, they're going to be looking really closely at how much weight is put on the rental income. And I've had a few investors as of late with great credit. Um, The mortgages on the rental properties under 70% loan to value. One property had 20%. um, But we were using a rental spreadsheet to show whether there was a surplus or a loss. There was a surplus on all the properties and, um, We weren't even using the surplus. We just did a wash, a complete wash of the rental properties saying, you know, they cover themselves and the insurer declined the file. So 10% down, great credit. And so it just kind of defies all of what the guidelines are, right? It's like they're they're not um, necessarily just staying in line with, okay, these are the debt ratios. Now they're looking way more heavily when it comes to rental portfolios, how much weight is being put on the rental income it's yeah they're they're nervous it appears yeah
0: yeah, yeah. just kind of just kind of lying in wait um so, something something that i that i've been noticing particularly um just even kind of with some of my contacts on the commercial side of things is that it seems to be that the commercial lenders, especially, are taking a little bit more of a geographic bias to um, to some of their lending as well. Um, so as we, as you and I both know, because this is our primary market here in Alberta, type thing, um, and Alberta's had a rough go for probably the last five or six years, type thing. And I think a lot of us keep just hoping that you know the the end is in sight, and you know there's going to be there's going to be a whole lot of improvement on the horizon. But uh, I don't, I just don't know if that's coming or not. Um, have you noticed? any specific considerations when it when it's come to i guess say like the geography of the lending and specifically you know where the assets are going to be at the end of the day so and and again i mean i i do get that i'm both you and i i mean we do a lot of business primarily in alberta but just wondering kind of what you're seeing as far as uh, just kind of interest for for other provinces as well so
1: yeah yeah. The two major things that I've seen in that regard is um, a few lenders actually pulling out of the rental market in Alberta. So there was some lenders that would do rental properties in Alberta that won't at this point, they said it's put on hold. Right. So, um, so yeah, there are some geographical guidelines, there restrictions. Um, but then I've also noticed when it comes to calculating fair market rents. So there's not always a lease in place on a rental property, uh, but I have, had lenders that will allow fair market rent letters done by an appraisal saying you know this property you can easily rent for this amount this is what it is now some lenders are not accepting fair market rent letters in certain geographical areas as well right if if there's concern with and i don't know where they get these numbers from and what the guidelines are it's not like something that they. Let us know. It's just we we submit the property and then oh okay this lender doesn't like that area or
0: get to find get to find out after the fact. That's lots of fun. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> nice, good.
1: I was gonna say the you know the biggest thing to kind of um, help yourself with all of these restrictions, these new restrictions that are being put into place, is just making sure that there's. Um, I'll use the term cash is king, right? They really want to see that you've got liquid net worth sitting there. So if you've got um, strong RSPs or any investments sitting there, assets sitting there, that's what's going to um, help strengthen your file with the lenders, with the insurers when they know there's fallback. If there's no fallback and you've got a large rental portfolio, that's where the lenders are going to start to have concern.
0: Yeah for sure I really liked what you said about that specific situation on uh, your line of credit right so instead of I mean like you'd said I mean for most of us if we have a if we have a debt liability that we're paying interest on and we have cash say sitting in the bank, yes it would make sense to basically just pay off that debt liability right but kind of kind of kind of a reversal of thinking yet nevertheless um, as you had said cash is king and probably we're one of those things that a lot of lenders are looking for so.
1: Right. Well, and you know, one strategy, I mean, depending on how soon you plan to purchase that next home, you might not want that cash just sitting in your bank long term, you could put it on your line of credit temporarily. Yeah. But if you're planning to purchase again, move it back into your account at least 90 days prior to possession so that you can show that it's sitting there liquid. They, they always ask for a 90-day history of down payments, so as long as you're proactive and thinking ahead, you can still use those strategies a little bit.
0: Yeah, so be planning at least 90 days in advance. <laughs> <Exactly>. Perfect. <laughs> Uh, So just as a quick reminder to anybody, if anybody does have any questions for Danelle, please do throw them in the chat and we will address them as they come up. Uh, Another comment from Sean Impey, who is another uh, real estate investor focused mortgage broker out of St. Albert here in Alberta. Thanks, Sean. Thanks. He says hi, Sean and Danelle. That's awesome. (laughs) Uh, So the next piece of this that we really kind of wanted to dig into are specific creative financing strategies that can be employed, uh, again, primarily in in the real estate investment world. So one of the ones that I guess you and I have both had quite a bit to do with in this space, and it is actually one of my personal um, favorite real estate investing strategies, and I actually have you to thank for a lot of this because you were actually the first person that had called me and said, hey, do you have any RSPs? And if so, would you like to get them invested into a mortgage? And I remember the first thing thinking like, "What are you talking about? I'm going to take my RSBs and put them in a mortgage. Like, like I don't know, like, I don't know what kind of scam you're pulling, but I don't, I don't, I don't want anything to do with it, right? So, which is which is yeah. hilarious because again, a couple of years later, it is a huge part of my business overall. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So, I guess to, to that point, uh, where are you finding that a lot of real estate investors are really able to accelerate their business um, tapping into registered fund mortgages? I guess, I guess, you know, primarily, you know, primarily through u- utilizing a mortgage broker, but even, but again, even not. So,
1: right. Yeah. Well, there's two sides to this, right? So, um, it definitely makes or opens up doors for borrowing right so one example for somebody with uh, a rental portfolio is if they don't have that liquid net worth sitting in a bank account they have used all of their money on down payments and putting you know put it into their rental portfolio and now they're trying to purchase something else and there's there's nothing liquid sitting there so it it does make for a creative way to access some different additional equity from some of those properties that you have. Um, Normally with a refinance, for example, you're maxed at 80%. Sometimes with um, this self-directed lending is is what I call it. um, We can go a little bit higher depending on the situation, right? So maybe up to 90% depending on the strength of the overall application. And so the other thing is too, that there's some also flexibility on how we look at PDS and all those types of things, right? So now we're not needing to fit into that little box that the bank has set out for everyone in general. Now we're able to look at a file and just see if it makes sense, right? We're able to look at that one individual file and just say, does this opportunity make sense? Is it rational to lend these clients, right? And quite often, these people with larger rental portfolios, they might not qualify at the bank they're still strong borrowers, yeah. right? They still got strong credit. They're still responsible with their money. And, and, um, so it just opens up a new door We're, we we do not have the same restrictions. And, um, so yeah, you can use it as a second mortgage, that kind of thing to access some additional equity to move on to your next product uh, or next project. Sorry. And, um, one thing that I will say is, Anyone that is doing that, anyone that's using self-directed mortgages as a second mortgage, that kind of thing, don't structure it as an interest only. This is my tip. (laughs) Because when you go to qualify for that next property, remember how I talked about that line of credit? If it's interest only, I actually have to restructure the payment um, as a payment over 25 years at the Bank of Canada posted rate. Same thing with a second mortgage at interest only. I have to structure a higher payment than you're actually paying to qualify you for that next purchase so if you structure that second mortgage as a 35-year amortization with a set low mortgage payment now i can use that lower mortgage payment and that's going to help the cash flow of your entire portfolio so just one little mistake i've seen people make is those interest only payments can can come back to bite you down the road if they're not if you don't structure those mortgages correctly
0: you mentioned um, you mentioned 35 year amortization any any specific restrictions on that i guess could they could they potentially go higher if they wanted to or
1: you know what i would have to double check the highest i've okay. done is 35
0: okay
1: yeah and you know that's thirty five usually sits you really close to really close to an interest only payment, right so it's yeah, just sure. keeps that payment quite low. Um, I would have to inquire
0: yeah, all good. Yeah. Yeah. perfect um so one of the things um also on the also on the lending side of things, and I think this is one of those things where people again i mean the the information's not necessarily out there right it's not it's not really all that. Generally accessible on things um, again when you had when you had kind of approached me um, on the initial on the initial opportunity that I that I had actually invested you know my own RSP into um, I had I had done a fair amount of kind of research prior, and I was somewhat shocked that again there was not really a whole lot of information in the space um, some some information particularly kind of what gets hand, handed down and say like you know your real estate investment groups right or, or real estate investors who had kind of employed the strategy before uh, but again not really not really generally accessible information to to the public um, and I and I don't necessarily know if that is, you know, if that's the worst thing in a lot of situations, um, because, again, I think, you know, the number of the number of investors in general out there who want to self-direct their funds, even if they have, say, like a self-directed account at the bank and they're purchasing shares and stuff like that is again, what I would imagine, probably a much lower segment of the population in total. And I would imagine even a smaller segment would be people who wanted to actually get into something like mortgage lending, uh, which has a little bit more complexity to it. But I can tell you, at least from my own experience, has been a much more fantastic uh, experience overall than having my money invested in the stock market.
1: (laughs) Yeah, during this time, I've I've definitely had clients think me in the recent months um, when people around them see their stocks dropping and they're still earning their set interest rate as per the mortgage, right? So short of a default, if you're offering a second mortgage or any mortgage, first, second, third, um, at a set rate, that is the rate, the interest you are going to be paid for the term of that mortgage short of default. Yeah. Um, so it's beautiful. Um, I do caution, like you said, you, you know, how many people are, are doing this in lending? You, you have to have a knowledge of the real estate market. You have to have a knowledge of, um, Overall qualifying rates. I wouldn't ever tell anyone that doesn't have a background in real estate or mortgage brokering to go out and, and do this kind of thing. Don't don't look for someone that needs to borrow money and just offer up your RSP without <laughs> <laughs> without having some some training. So um, yeah, I, I work with investors that use their RSPs and want to lend them as mortgages and I pre-qualify the borrowers ahead of time. So I'm doing the same pre-qualification that I would do with any bank, right? So we're looking at their credit, we're confirming all of their income, we're getting appraisals on the property, all of those things. Um, We're making sure that we are (laughs) putting our investors into a safe position, right? So Yeah.
0: yeah, the due diligence is being done ahead of time uh comment comment from Sean MP he says remember the days of 40 year amortizations ended in October 2008 that's actually around the time that i actually qualified for my very first mortgage when i bought my first house and i'm glad i didn't take the 40 year option i don't even know if they offered it to me but uh that would have been that would have been right around the time that it ended so right. <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to believe we ever used to get 40 year amortizations oh. so Uh, Uh, something interesting you said particularly on, on the qualification side of things at a contact of mine actually made a really interesting point here the other day. So he had actually just started out um, on his real estate investment career in, um, in a city here in Alberta. And one of the things that he had done is he had actually reached out to a mortgage broker who had, again, had a, <clears throat> had a fairly established network of both you know, uh, private, private lenders, B lenders, um, just as well as you know individuals with, say, their money at, at, a, at a trust like Olympia Trust interested to lend one of the things that he found is is that in a lot of situations, he had a much easier time getting access to capital at the end of the day because the fact that his mortgage broker was vetting him, kind of through the process, right, and was vetting the deal, right? It was much easier for, say, that deal to end up on the lender's desk and say, oh, okay, right, you know, like you just said, right, somebody with a background and an understanding of qualification and stuff like that has already kind of looked at this, um, so I don't necessarily need to be worried about, you know, who's this kid on the other side of my desk looking for my money type thing, right? Right. (laughs)
1: yeah exactly exactly um really good book is the rsp secret yeah anyone that's looking to get into that grab that book that'll give you a good kind of solid foundation where to start
0: perfect uh, well, why don't we uh, just jump right into uh, lease options, and particularly how that relates to the acquisition side of things. So, um, so strategy that I love, particularly on, uh, say, like a, kind of like a rent-to-own type basis, right? So, I, I, effectively, my exit strategy for, for getting out of a property, um, but something that can also be very effectively used, particularly on an acquisitions basis, so...
1: Definitely. So, yeah, I mean, as, as things are getting more and more difficult to get into the real estate investing arena, um, we need to look at creative solutions, right? So agreement for sale, that kind of thing, um, that helps people kind of lock down a, a price now locks down a, a property and um, allows them to buy in the future when they're able to get all their financing in line where it needs to be. Right. So, um, there's a lot of people right now that can't afford their mortgage. They, they need help. They need an exit. And if you can just do something little to help them get back on track. So, you know, maybe they're at risk of foreclosure and they owe $10,000 to the bank to, yeah. to kind of tie things over. Right. If you can come in with that $10,000, and an agreement for sale and get the property back in line and, and manage the property They're They're happy to walk away and say, that's fine. I'll hold this mortgage for you for a year or two. You pay down the mortgage. Um, and when you're ready to buy, I'll sell it to you at this price. Right. So yeah, when things are getting tighter and tighter in this, in this industry, uh, definitely we're, we're looking more at creative solutions like that.
0: Yeah, which is a fantastic way of doing things. Um, because again, I mean, you can you can effectively gain, say, control over the property um, and really being financed by the owner, the vendor at the end of the day. So saves yeah. saves, saves yeah. a lot of headache of trying to, say, get a mortgage, get a mortgage yourself and just buy it right at that point in time.
1: Yeah, yeah. One caution I'll state is, you know, if, if you're putting a deposit down up front, make sure you're tracking that because when you go to buy that property down the road, a year or two down the road, we're gonna have to prove that you did actually put some money into that the best solution is if the lawyer can hold it in trust. That's not always an option. A lot of times the seller needs that money, different things like that, but just make sure that you're tracking it, that it came from your account, your own savings. And uh, we're going to be able to provide proof of that down the road. Lenders are okay with those types of transactions. Still, the rent to own type scenarios, that's where lenders are shying away from. And the difference is a portion of the monthly payment or the monthly rent is coming back to the purchaser right right, in the form of down payment lenders don't love that so uh, you know if you can avoid that altogether you're going to do yourself a favor (laughs) but any down payment money paid up front and then a future purchase banks don't seem to have any issues with that. I've done lots of those recently.
0: Yeah. And that, and that deferred purchase model is a, is, is, a fantastic way of, of actually, you know, basically putting those, putting those transactions through. Right. Cause again, I mean, as the, as the vendor and I've, and I've been, I mean, I've been involved in a couple of these situations, right. Where, I mean, as the vendor, my, my ultimate concern is, you know, how much, how much security can I get, you know, for whatever, for whatever property that I'm putting up in the beginning. Right. Yeah. I mean, if somebody has the entire down payment, right. And if somebody's been, you know, know, what I like to call, say, pre-pre-qualified by a mortgage broker to say that, yes, you know, the the income is good, the down payment is good, right? Perhaps there's some, perhaps there's some things on the credit side of things that need to get corrected, right? Or perhaps there's, say, like, um, you know, there's been a separation, but there's been no divorce. Um, Again, like a separation agreement in place, right? The divorce hasn't been finalized. Yeah, I mean, those can be great, great, great opportunities for those types of, for those types of deals, so.
1: Right, right. Yeah. So again, both ways. Right. So a lot of um, real estate investors are looking to pick up those agreement for sales, but it's also a great way to sell property in an agreement for sale. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah particularly in situations kind of like what we're seeing where, you know, people, people may have missed payments these last couple of months and that type of thing. Right. So and they need a yeah. very, they need a cre- very creative means of um, of purchasing their next property. So that's
1: right
0: perfect uh, looking to looking to trends here going forward now is your i guess is your is your general feeling that say the lending market is going to pretty much kind of stay where it's at as far as say like you know say you have like difficulty of qualification and stuff like that do you think that do you think that perhaps you know on the horizon kind of depending on what ends up happening after kind of all these all these mortgage deferrals come off um, and again maybe maybe some of the government kind of income support programs and stuff like that kind of kind of drop off um, I guess just kind of maybe interested in your own in your own personal opinion of, um, of maybe what the next couple of could look like here you know alberta alberta as well as even canada wide so
1: right (laughs) you know what for the past few years i keep thinking you know when are things going to go back to the way they were (laughs) and they just get a keep getting more and more strict right and more and more stringent the box keeps getting smaller and smaller i don't know the answer to that question i don't know when this is going to end um i i feel like there's the potential for more restrictions coming down the road, right? So CMHC just came out with their new restrictions. Genworth and CG has not followed suit, but how long till they do, right? So I don't know from what I've heard, Alberta in particular is not at the end of the road here with (laughs) all the difficulties and struggles that we're going through, right? So it's hard to say. It's really hard
0: to say. I guess cautious optimism seems to be the, seems to be the the, the constant that I'm hearing. So (laughs) perfect. So Danelle, again, wanted to take uh, wanted to again say thank you for taking time out of your schedule and going through this with us. Uh, again, a lot a lot of great information, right? I mean, whether it's just the the generic information on what people should be keeping in mind uh, from a qualification standpoint, or perhaps some different means that they can be using for financing on the private side of things, or even uh, or even structuring entries or exits into specific deals and something like that. Um, so your website, and I was actually just on it here the other day and I noticed it looks fairly new so it looks pretty fantastic I would say yeah. uh, so so again that's albertamortgageexpert.com um, it's actually it's down there it's down there in the ticker somewhere it's kind of scrolling by so if anybody has any questions we'll make sure that it goes into the comments of the, of the chat as well um on facebook as sorry just gonna move that there mortgage mortgage with danelle if anybody's looking for her as well as on instagram of mortgages by danelle so just a slight variation um danelle if anybody has any questions for you what's the best way that they can reach out to you
1: Well, if they want to connect with me on any of those platforms you mentioned, that's fine. My phone number as well is 403-505-6385. Give me a call. Shoot me a text. I'd love to chat about different options with you.
0: Perfect. Well, that was fantastic. Again, thanks for all the information. Uh, Thanks for everybody who tuned in here today. looks like we actually had quite a few people on the stream, so that's always nice to see. Hope everybody got a lot of value out of this, and we'll be wrapping things up. And again, appreciate you taking your time, and we will see you here soon. Thanks, everybody.
1: I